Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. Now, here's part five of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter one called The Lord is Salvation. Hold your finger in Isaiah and go to Revelation 11. Revelation 11. That's the last book of the Bible. You all knew that, huh? Revelation 11. The two witnesses show up during Daniel's 70th week and they have incredible power and their power reflects that uh, they are most likely Moses and Elijah who have appeared on the scene in the last days. For the sake of time, Look at verse seven of Revelation 11. When they have finished their testimony, Revelation eleven seven, the beast that comes up out of the abyss will make war with them and overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which mystically, that is pneumatikos, the Greek word which is often rendered spiritually, which spiritually or mystically is called Sodom, and Egypt, now notice this, where also their Lord was what? Crucified. Where was Jesus crucified? Right out the side of the city gate of Jerusalem. So Jerusalem is called here, in the last days it will be likened to Sodom and what? Egypt. Now two places that were known for both their immorality, their idolatry, which also dictated their immorality. You see, a people will become like their gods. Idolatry will lead to a lifestyle that manifests itself in wickedness because the only thing behind an idol spiritually is what? Demonic power. So an idol is nothing in the world, but if there's anything that it, uh, anything that it can do in the sense of spiritual uh, power, it's demonic. So what would it produce that's positive? Nothing. And so in the last days, God says, I will compare the city that I love, the place that I've written my name forever, to two places that are known for their multiple gods and their base idolatry and their base immorality, and that is Sodom and Egypt. And those from the the peoples and tribes and tongues and nations will look at their dead bodies, those prophets that had this power, for three and a half days will not permit their dead bodies to be laid in a tomb. The Jews would immediately put dead bodies into a tomb. They will not allow this to desecrate the bodies. Those who dwell on the earth will rejoice. By the way, I think this is the only place you're gonna find in the book of Revelation where rejoicing is mentioned and the rejoicing is over the death of two of God's prophets. Not much has changed. They will rejoice, notice, they will make merry. They will rejoice over them that they're dead. They will make merry and they will send gifts to one another because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. They will have a dead prophet's day or something like that. And I think their song will be, ding dong, the prophets are dead. I don't know what it'll be. But so much so, and we've kind of joked, and it'll be kind of an antichrist Christmas. You say, Pastor Michael, why do you always go to the Wizard of Oz? I'm sorry, it's just in my brain. But it's almost, it's almost like they're celebrating this holiday, but their celebration is over the death of two uh, individuals that showed the power of God and were trying to teach them the truth of God. 
Now, if you want to read on in the chapter, you'll find that they are raised by God in front of all the people and, and all of that. But the point is, go back to Isaiah, that God is comparing the holy city to Sodom, which tells you something about what can happen to a people. A people of God's own possession, uh, picked out by him, not because they were more number than any other nations, not because they were uh, more holy than any other nations, but because of God's benevolent choice. And yet a people that can see the blessings of God, the powerful hand of God, have the favor of God, and somehow still be in a situation where God says, the image I see of you now is you are comparable to Sodom and Gomorrah. That's really, really devastating. And so God now goes into their worship. After he uh, talks to them about their situation and gives them this exhortation to hear, verse 10, and give ear to the instruction of our God. He says, verse 11, what are your multiplied sacrifices to me? Notice the word multiplied. So they are doing it over and over and over again. This is not they show up on Easter and Christmas to worship. They are regulars in the temple. They are doing what has been prescribed by the law. But Lord, the Lord says, what is it to me that you do this? Says the Lord, I've had enough of burnt offerings of rams and of the fat of fed cattle. I take no pleasure in the blood of bulls, lambs, or goats. I have had enough. What is the issue? Phoniness. What is the issue? Hypocrisy. I mean, you would think that the Lord's indictment would not be about their worship. You would think that he would go down a list of 15 things that he has an issue with, but his main concern is their worship. And what he's basically saying to them is that you go through the motions, but there is hypocrisy. The New Living Translation says it this way, I am sick of your sacrifices. Maybe the best way we can get it is we've all been around individuals that talk a good game, but their actions hurt us. And so we hear what they say, but then when they are actually conducting themselves over and over again, we keep getting punched in the face, whether literally or metaphorically. At some point, you just say to yourself, you know what, I don't think that I can really trust what these people are saying to me. Because every time I seem to trust what they say, I get hit in the face. And that's basically what God is saying. He's saying all day long, you can, you can raise up your hands, you can come into the place of worship, you can follow the Levitical prescription of sacrifice, but it means nothing to me because all along what I really wanted was your heart. And I've shown you a preview of the coming of my son through these sacrifices, but, but th- there is a disconnect here. And he says, I take no pleasure in what you're doing. And you could hear the people maybe saying back to the Lord, but we're doing what you commanded. This is your command. This is what Leviticus instructs us to do. Oh yes, it's biblical. Burn offerings, the fat of well-fed cattle, the blood of bulls, lambs, and goats. It is biblical, but it is vain, God is saying. You can go through the motions all day long, but I want your heart. I don't want your mechanism. I don't want you to fake it. There's a story of a man. He was a chaplain. One of his jobs was to go and talk to people on death row and try to win them to Christ before they were executed. And so there was a man, he was one of the dead men walking, you know, and, 
And it was his time. And so the chaplain come alongside him as he walks, you know, to the chair. And the man begins to kind of mechanically, robotically share the gospel. And he goes through it, you know, that we've sinned, that Jesus came, that God loves us. And the man who's about to die looks at the chaplain and says, that is the most beautiful, wonderful story I have ever heard in my life. If it were true, I would walk on hands and knees over broken glass for two miles to get that message to someone. But I don't believe you. See, sometimes the, even the way that we worship can become mechanical. We can lose somehow the beauty and awe of who God is and what he's done for us. We have that ability within us as humans to have very short memories, to forget what God did for us yesterday in the uh, troubles of today. You know, to forget the patterns that he's shown us, the faithfulness that he's demonstrated, the times that he has said, I will connect these dots, just wait on me. No, I can't. But I've shown you before, I know, but I can't. It's a good thing God knows that we're human. And so he says, when you come to appear before me, and that's language of worship, Worship is about praising and drawing near to God. When you come and appear 12 before me, who requires of you this trampling of my courts? The idea of trampling is that of stepping over carelessly. That's the word. Uh, Many of you have seen the ugliness of a situation where someone gets trampled. It's terrible. It's usually at an event where there are a multitude of people and something happens. There's some threat of something. It could be a fire. It could be a bomb scare. And literally, people have been on the ground. And because of the desire for, for one to preserve themselves and rescue themselves from danger, they will literally trample on another human being or multiple human beings and kill them and not think much of it. It's happened many times, more times than we'd like to say. And God says, my courts represent the area of the temple, the place of worship, the place that you're supposed to come and worship me. And all I see is trampling on my courts. One day in your courts is what? Better than a thousand elsewhere. But God says, when you come into my courts, that's not what I see. I see trampling. One pastor used an image when it talks about, in the book of Hebrews, not um, treating the, the blood of the Son of God, I'm paraphrasing, as if it were nothing. And, and basically the image he used is, is Jesus laying there, you know, the crucified Messiah, dead and, and bleeding there on the ground, and, and people are just walking over him. And God, you know, through this, image, the pastor says, it's as though God says, if you're going to end up in hell, you're going to have to walk over my dead son. And we know Jesus is risen, but you get the point. The point is, why do you trample on the blood of the son of God? To go back to the law? To go back to your own way to save yourself? Remember last week we said that one of the problems that Israel had was they believed that they could save themselves. And that's the problem with Israel today. They remain in unbelief because they don't understand that righteousness is reckoned by faith, not by works. 
That's what Jesus came to tell the Pharisees. Stop putting the yoke on the people. I'm Yahweh is salvation. Stop putting a yoke that they can't carry and you don't even carry. And so God says they trample on my courts. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Merry Christmas from Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team. We're so grateful to all of our partners who partner with Walk in Truth. Since last year, our listener partnerships have grown. Last Christmas, we let our listeners know it cost over $150,000 a year to fund this ministry. That includes radio airtime, podcasting, promotion, equipment, supplies, and one part-time staff member. At this time last year, we were excited to report listener support had reached 25% of our overall budget. The rest is funded by Living Truth Christian Fellowship Church funds. Now that has grown to 31%, and because of that, we have added Walk in Truth to three more radio stations, where more people have had a chance to hear these teachings. We could still use your help, too. And if you've been listening for a while, you know that I rarely do this, and I'm not necessarily even comfortable asking for finances, but the reality is that this program has to pay for radio airtime and what we do, and it's a blessing to partner with what you believe in, with the gospel ministry that hopefully has been a blessing to you. If that's you, would you please consider giving an end-of-the-year tax-deductible donation? Please give a one-time gift on behalf of you, your family, or business. You can help us pay for airtime for the radio station or podcast app you listen to. Visit walkintruth.com and click on Donate. That's walkintruth.com. Click Donate. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. Crucified Messiah, dead and, and bleeding there on the ground, and, and people are just walking over him. And God, you know, through this image, the pastor says, it's as though God says, if you're going to end up in hell, you're going to have to walk over my dead son. And we know Jesus is risen, but you get the point. The point is, why do you trample on the blood of the Son of God? To go back to the law? To go back to your own way to save yourself? Remember last week we said that one of the problems that Israel had was they believed that they could save themselves, and that's the problem with Israel today. They remain in unbelief because they don't understand that righteousness is reckoned by faith, not by works. That's what Jesus came to tell the Pharisees. Stop putting the yoke on the people. I'm Yahweh is salvation. Stop putting a yoke that they can't carry and you don't even carry. And so God says they trample on my courts. The real encounter with God is lost. All there is is the sounds of feet and car doors shutting in the parking lot. But God says that's all I hear. When I'm looking to see what's really in the heart of my people, when my eyes scan the earth to and fro to see if there's a man that I can see is wholeheartedly devoted to me, when I scan the earth to show myself strong through an individual, I hear a lot of trampling. There's foot traffic, but not a lot of entering in my courts with thanksgiving and my courts with praise and giving thanks. Something has happened to this nation Psalm 96, verses 6 through 10 says, Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. 
Worship the Lord in holy attire. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Indeed, the world is firmly established. It will not be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Man, we've got to get a new vision. We've got to get maybe a refreshed vision of who God is. Because we have brought God down in many circles. And I think that's the application of the, to the church. It's not condemnation. It's not confusing where we stand with God. We know we're forgiven people. But it's re-engaging ourselves in what true worship is. It's understanding that what God wants is a people that will know who they're dealing with and all that they have been given from his hand. And they will come into his courts with the worship that is due his name. And so he says, bring your worthless or vain offerings. 13, no longer. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath, the calling of assemblies. I cannot endure. Do you see a pattern here? Iniquity and the solemn assembly. Now this jumped up, up and this is important. I cannot endure. Don't stop just at iniquity because God endures iniquity every single day. How many pipsqueaks in the world do you think shake their fist at God every single day? If you were God, how much would you put up with that? How much would you put up with, how many times a day do you think that God's name is taken in vain in this world? And we know God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. He, he, he even knows the thoughts of man. How many times does someone blame him, curse him, say all manner of evil against him? You know, in Jewish communities, Jesus is a byword. His name is a joke. They joke about him. They use his name that way. Now, we know that so many do it in ignorance, but, but imagine now if you're God. I gave these people life. I made the world that they inhabit, the water that they drink, the family that they have, the eyes that they see through, the nose that they smell through, the taste buds that they taste with, the experiences of love, the mountain peaks with snow, the sun sets and the sun rises. Everything is from me. And what do they do? And so God says, I cannot endure iniquity, notice, and the what? Solemn assembly. God is saying it's not just iniquity, although that's bad. It's iniquity and the solemn assembly. What's the solemn assembly? It's the people gathered together for worship. God's saying this stuff is coming into my house. And the Lord is in the house. And he wants his people to be a distinct people, not a perfect people. But he doesn't want them coming in just going through the motions. And so he says, this is strong. I hate your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts. They've become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them, 15. So when you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Yes, even though you multiply your prayers, though you say a bunch of prayers, I will not listen. Here's the problem. Your hands are covered with blood. Now, immediately as a believer, I say, I'm good. Because though I've done a lot of dumb things in my life, I'm a forgiven Christian, and I'm walking with the Lord, and I'm in the new covenant, and I'm under the blood. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But then I think, wait a minute. Your hands are covered with blood. Sounds like people who are murderers, right? 
And immediately we might think of the abortion doctor. We, we mentioned that last Wednesday. We might think of uh, someone who has spilled innocent blood, shooting somebody or whatever. But First John says if you hate your brother, you're a murderer. And Jesus talked about how the depth of the law is much deeper than just external things. And while it would be easy for us to say, oh, this is, the application is to everybody else, we have to be careful because when we come into the house of the Lord, what does God want? Clean hands and a pure heart. Now I know my hands are not clean. They've been cleansed. My heart is not pure, but it's been purified. And so I take refuge in that. But I also know that there's a part I play in this. Amen? I mean, there's something that God wants me to do. He does want me to pursue holiness. He wants me to pursue godliness and so forth. You've been listening to The Lord is Salvation, Part 5 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 1 verses 7 through 31. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. By the way, Walk in Truth is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and we'd love to connect with you. It's a great way to meet our listeners, and not everyone can visit the church here in Corona, California, although we recommend that you do. But either way, please connect with Walk in Truth on social media. Now, here's Pastor Michael. When the Lord in Isaiah 111 says, What are your multiplied sacrifices to me? I've had enough of them, of the burnt offering of, of rams or the fat of the cattle. I take no pleasure in the blood of bulls, lambs, or goats. You know, in the book of Hebrews, it tells us that it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. But I also think what the Lord is saying here is that he's tired of the outward religiosity, like doing the sacrifices and the ceremonies void of the heart. In fact, quoting from the book of Isaiah, Jesus will say, this people honors me with their lips and perhaps we could say with their actions, their rituals, but their hearts are far from me. You know, it's, I, I suppose it's easy to say the right words and to do the right rituals, but not have your heart be there. It's a danger, I think, for anybody who's been a Christian for quite some time because we know how to do it mechanically, but that can't be our worship. Our worship must start in the heart. And when it starts in the heart, everything else takes care of itself. You want to serve, you want to give. And and, that, and that's the beauty of it. The Lord wants your heart. He doesn't just want the outward action. He wants the heart. And when he has your heart, well, that's everything. And speaking of uh, serving and giving, uh, radio airtime does cost money, and this is uh, one of the rare times of the year where I'm bringing up the issue of donations, uh, because it is the end of the year, and people do think about uh, what they're going to support, and maybe you want to give a year-end tax-deductible donation to Walk in Truth. We are a nonprofit ministry, and uh, we, when you give, it helps us pay for radio airtime and for what we do. And uh, I can tell you this, that we have, uh, of all that comes in, we have a part-time person that um, works for the program and no one else gets paid, including yours truly. 
we're just doing this as a, a ministry because we want the word of God to get out there. That's the bottom line. And so if you partner with us, that's what you're doing. You're helping us pay for radio airtime so we can get the word of God out to people like you. And uh, when you go to walkintruth.com and click on the donate button, you can scroll down. It'll take you down to a place where you can see the city in which you listen, unless you're a podcast listener, and you can give an end of the year donation, let's say a hundred bucks. Maybe you want to become a monthly partner of $20. Maybe you want to raise up your monthly giving from five to 10 to 20 or something like that. Well, you can do all of that at walkintruth.com and it will be a blessing to us. And you can also drop us a note for what the program has meant to you. We've gotten some incredibly encouraging notes from our wonderful listening family. And all I can say on behalf of myself and the team here is thank you. It's a small team that makes this happen. And uh, we're so grateful for your support because you're the ones that are making it happen in terms of letting us get out there on the mission field. And we know the mission field is white unto harvest. And we want to take full advantage of the time and the need for truth and hope and clarity in Bible teaching and uh, not being ashamed of the gospel and, and unvarnished truth, man. We need it. And we need it for our families. We need it for our churches and we need it for our nation. So cry out to God with me that he bring revival to our land. And tomorrow we will do a part six in Isaiah chapter one, the final message in Isaiah chapter one as we look at the Lord is salvation. We love you. Lord willing, see you right here tomorrow. And join us tomorrow for the conclusion of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Isaiah chapter one called the Lord is salvation. Hey, we're grateful that you're listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.